Hello, C3. Welcome to church. We're going live in five, four, three, two, one, zero. C3 family and friends. 
In the middle of all the news, the panic, the anxiety, the quarantines, God is on his throne, sovereign, in control, and unsurprised. The Lord says, I am the Lord God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Let us turn our hearts and minds to him that we may have perfect peace in the midst of this global pandemic. Join me in our call to worship scripture found in Psalms 18 verses 16 through 19. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Thank you, Julia, for the song, and thank you, Verinda, for the call to worship. We're going to play some songs this morning about God's grace. It's going to tie into Larry's message. We encourage you guys to sing along with us this morning.
three family. Uh, welcome. Glad you're here today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Thank you guys. That was great. Yeah, thank you guys. That sounded that was so good. Really, really good. Yeah, thank you, thanks. Julia. Thank you, Brenda, uh, right. for contributing to this morning's service. Dalton and Heidi. Yeah, thank you, Dalton and Heidi. Thank <laughs> you very much. Bless all of you for your uh, participation yeah, that was and contribution. Uh, I'm so glad to be with y'all this morning. And uh, if you got a copy of the scriptures, I wish you would get it. If you've got some bread and some wine or juice that you'd like to get ready and have available so that at the end of the service we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together, please do that. We're going to be talking uh, today and actually next Sunday about what the Bible has to say about grace, the <clears throat> grace of God. And I hope that you'll join us uh, for both of these studies, I think it'll be a source of great encouragement uh, and benefit to all of us. I want to start off today by just telling you that, um, you know, for the last 39 years, my wife and I have tried most afternoons when she gets through a school to go on a, a long walk together. And one of the things... Even that, in the heat. Even in the heat. Even in the heat. What a trooper. Uh, and one of the things that we wind up talking about very, very often are uh, the books, uh, the pieces of literature that Shirley teaches at her school. And these are not Harlequin novels. These are not left behind <laughs> books. These no. are not, you know, light, fluffy. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, yeah, all that's fine, Jim Nanny. But these are uh, rich, deep, uh, impactful, timeless works of art. Uh, that I have had the privilege for 39 years of learning about and hearing about. And one of the things that I came to the conclusion after listening for so many years about these works, I noticed a common theme that each one of these works possesses. And I've also noted it in uh, films and in uh, plays that Shirley's yeah. yep. taken me to, uh, if, I want you to, to think about examples in your own mind. I think you'll be able to see my point. If you can come up, I can't think of an exception. I bounced many, many, many uh, plays and films and books off Shirley, and I, we couldn't come up with an exception to what I'm about to say. But uh, if, if you can think of an exception, you let me know. Yeah. Um, 
But one of the common denominators that these rich, deep, impactful, timeless works of art possess is they all address the issue of grace. Or lack of grace. Or the lack of grace. Thank right. you very much. Yeah. They show the contrast. They yeah. show the result of, not, of having no grace in your life. What that looks like. Or in your relationship yeah. and the consequences of that. Um, wonder why. Wonder why grace is such a significant theme or issue or idea or the lack thereof. Right. Wonder why that idea, that idea of grace is such a common denominator. It's such, not fairness, not justice, not equity, not righteousness, um, not even vengeance or romance. Although those things can be, are important. They are, and and, uh, They can entertain and they can uh, bless uh, and they can be useful and powerful. But there's something that I've noticed about grace um, that touches us uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, at a level that is very unique and that only grace can do. Uh, when we see it, when we hear it, when we experience grace, there's something inside us, I believe, that screams out, I want that. Yeah. I need that. We long for grace. We delight in grace. But I would also say that grace can be something that is very, uh, when we really talk about it and even witness it uh, or experience it, it can be something that's very uncomfortable. There's something very unnatural, very abnormal, very counterintuitive about grace. Something that is foreign to us and almost can make us afraid. Um, We get eye for an eye. We get law. We get justice. We get quid pro quo. We get rewards and consequences. We, We get those ideas because that's where we live. That, that's the world we live in. That's how we relate to each other. That's how we operate. That's how we think. Law, justice, righteousness, fairness. Those are ideas, important ideas. Correct ideas. Correct ideas. Thank you. Of course. That uh, they're, the, they're the, 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 the most noble, the best things that humanity can bring to the table. But grace is different. In my opinion, grace is something that God can bring to the table. You know, the song has been written, Amazing Grace. And um, frankly, as a teacher, I think that we overuse the word amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, people will say, oh, it was amazing. And, and, and that dinner was amazing. And, but, you know, grace in literature and in life is truly that which supersedes other things. It's, it's, it almost doesn't fit. Right. It's something that is almost superimposed upon a life or a relationship or a situation. It truly is from heaven. So we have trouble even speaking of it yes. because there's, the words yes. defy that. Yes. A couple of examples from literature. Please. Um, so if you've been around Larry and me very much at all, you know that 
we often will go to the play in the book, Les Miserables, when it yeah. comes to talking about grace. But yeah. the reason is because in that book and in that movie and in the, the play, it's so clear. Uh, the character Jean Valjean gets out of prison. He runs away. He goes and is befriended by a priest. And the priest says, you can spend the night here. And what does Jean Valjean do but steal? He steals candlesticks and runs away. He's caught by the police, brought back to the priest. And the priest shows the, the thief grace. And he just says, you can keep these. I'm, you and I'll need even give them. you something more. Right. Yeah, yeah. You need mm. these more than I do. Mm. You are in more desperate shape than I am. And, you know, if you watch that movie or if you watch that play, the two sisters, the priest's two sisters, now those girls, we get that. Yes. They're fussing. Mm. And they're like, we need this more than him. He's a thief. What are you doing? But the priest delivers grace that changes a man's life. The whole direction of his life, the rest of the the play from that point uh, uh, de declares that a life can truly, you know, you hear the people saying, can, can anybody really change? Can anybody really change? Fair that enough. musical declares that where grace is given, a life can truly change permanently yes. forever. And, <clears throat> and change other lives the same way. Yes. I yes. think of the, um, yes. the musical Hamilton. If you've yes. seen that. Yes. So that is a great musical, and but, no but, but hmm. Eliza Hamilton, his wife, has many, 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 many reasons to be angry with him. Death of a child, impropriety, he's, he's an absent person. <clears throat> but in the end, she hmm. forgives him, and they walk together, and in the very end of the play, I hope I'm not messing the end hmm. up for anyone, but um, if you study theater, and if you study Shakespeare in particular, and this is not Shakespeare, of course, but whoever gets the last speech, whoever's last on stage, that has significance. Whoever yes. gets to yeah. the last person that you mm -hmm. see. And in the musical Hamilton. John, the Apostle John would agree. The Apostle John would agree. <laughs> yeah. The last one on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> and in Hamilton, it is Eliza mm -hmm. Hamilton who is the four of the stage at the end. Not Alexander Hamilton. He's, in, he's back. Because she is the woman, I think, this is my interpretation, Great anyway, example. who showed grace. Yes. She forgave when she didn't have to. Yes. She started this orphanage for these children. People lived on because of her choice to show grace that was remarkable, amazing. Yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. There's plenty more. Oh, I got plenty more. Well, would you, would you like to share something else? Um, you want one more? Okay, one more. Please. Forrest Gump. <laughs> I love Forrest Gump. You're talking about great films. It's a great Forrest film. Gump yeah. is a great film. And the, the yes. thing that comes to mind, though, in that particular, there's a lot of moments of grace in that film. Yes. It's probably why it's so great. Yes. But when Forrest Gump, a Bubba Blue dies, and Forrest has told him that if we make, if I become a shrimp boat captain, I'm going to give you half the money. Well, Bubba dies. And so that's, that happens. Forrest goes on. He does become a shrimping boat captain. He makes all this money. <laughs> you know, it's Forbes magazine. And what does he do? He takes, oh, look, this is going to make me cry. Huh. He takes half of that money and takes it to Bubba's mama. And on the porch, he says, I told Bubba that I would give this to him. This belongs to him. And what does Bubba's mama do? She faints. She falls. It's a funny moment. 
but she falls over in a faint. Why? It's not normal. It's, it's, it's unexpected. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's too beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I it's grew great. up in church. Thank you. I grew up in church uh, uh, as a child, and I gained a lot of Bible knowledge, as you probably did growing up hmm. in church. But, um, you know, most of what I heard, at least what I remember hearing, it, it, it had this underlying message that if I'll be good, if I'll follow the rules, toe the line, if I'll, if I'll be good, God will be good to me. Mm. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old and wanted to go out on a date with her that uh, the only place she'd go with me was church. And so I went to church with her. That's where you take heathens. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's where you take heathens. <laughs> and that's where she took me. And for the very first time that I can remember in my life, I heard the message of grace. I remember the, the man that was preaching, and he taught from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And boy, that night it hit mm. me like a ton of bricks. For the very first time, I heard and recognized that I was poor. That I brought nothing to the table that God needed or wanted. In fact, not only did I bring nothing, what I actually did bring, I brought a lot of debt, a lot of sin, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of wrong. And... Um, I needed a Savior. I never thought about that before, but I needed a Savior. And God wanted me to have a Savior. And he, he had an abundance, an, a universe of riches, and he wanted to share it with me. But to do that, it cost him greatly. His son had to become poor so that his father could share his riches with me. And hearing that message and grasping those two ideas uh, changed my life. Uh, 42 years later, 43 years later, mm -hmm. my life is still changed because I understood for the very first time that God wanted to share with me His amazing grace. Ephesians chapter 1 says, Through Christ's blood we have been redeemed and forgiven according to the riches of God's grace. Only, and some of you will, you'll disagree with me when I say this. I challenge you to go and, before you disagree with me, go do your research and then come back and tell me if I'm wrong. But I'm going to tell you what's the truth. And the truth is that Jesus Christ and Christianity are the only religion, the only faith system the only philosophy, um, the only religion uh, that offers grace. No other religion, no other faith system, no other philosophy offers grace. Only Jesus and Christianity. John, uh, the apostle, uh, says in the very first chapter of his gospel, he says this, We have seen the glory of God's one and only Son, 
and he is full of grace and truth. We spent three and a half years with him. And at the end of the three and a half years, John and the apostles made this discovery and declaration. When you poke Jesus, what comes out is grace. Some of you, when you're poked, uh, orange comes out or blue and gray or whatever the colors of different football teams are um, or, or other activities that are so important to you that sort of define you. But the apostles declared that when you pierce Jesus, what came out was grace. I would say that grace is very hard to define, but it's always easy to recognize. Um, we, when we see grace, when we experience grace, we know it's grace. It's a message of the Bible from beginning to end. We see Abraham displaying grace to Lot. Joseph displaying grace to his brothers. Ruth displaying grace to Naomi. Boaz displaying grace to Ruth. Jonathan displaying grace to David. David displaying grace to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son. Um, um, what was the other one that I had? Oh, Hosea displaying mm-hmm. grace to Gomer. I find it very significant that uh, in Numbers chapter 6, when God tells the high priest of Israel and all the preceding high priest of Israel, when you pray for God's people, I want you to pray that I'll do six things for them, that I'll give them. Every time you pray for God's people, pray that I will do six things for them, that I will share with them six things. You know what those things are? God said to Aaron, pray, God, would you bless my people? and protect them, and smile upon them, and be gracious to them, and show them your favor, and fill them with your peace. You know what I find significant about that? The fourth, no, the third, fourth, and fifth things that God asked Aaron to pray that God would do for his people, they're all exactly the same thing. Really, when you translate that literally, you know what that says? May the Lord bless you and protect you and give you grace, give you grace, give you grace and fill you with his peace. Isn't that funny that three of the six, we, the, the translators use different words so that it doesn't sound monotonous and mm. redundant, but it's the same idea three times in a row. To pray that I will give, high priest, when you pray for my people, pray that I'll give them grace, give them grace. Give them grace. If you read the Psalms, which I hope you do, the psalmist asks God for many things, protection and provision and encouragement and hope and peace and wisdom and courage and all these things. But far and above, far and away, the thing that the psalmist asks God for more than anything else, and you see it in Psalm 6, Psalm 9, 25, 30, 31, 41, 67, 86, and Psalm 90. And I can go on and on and on. The psalmist pray the same thing over and over and over again. Turn to me, O Lord, and be gracious to me. Not God be fair. God be righteous. God be equitable. God be just. They don't pray that. What they pray for is turn to me, O Lord, 
and be gracious unto me. It's important to me today that you understand and that I understand that God's grace is not just uh, for uh, salvation, for eternal life. God's grace is supposed to be a provision that God shares with us on a daily basis to impact our lives and our relationships. It's not just a one-time gift certificate (laughs) that we are given to avoid hell and to obtain heaven. It's supposed to be a continual source of life. We were created to operate in an environment of grace. Beneficiaries of grace and the givers of grace. Where grace exists, life and relationships flourish. And where grace is absent, life and relationships die. And I would challenge you that if you are listening today and in your own heart you would say, yeah, my life is dead. My, bless you, Justin. Uh, <laughs> my life is dead. My relationships are dying. I, they're empty. They're, I would challenge you to evaluate. Is your life a life that would be described by grace? Are you doing things, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, or what are things that God says if we will do these things, if we will add these things to our life, we will fill our lives with grace. Grace is something that God wants to share with us. And He's provided venues and resources through which we can experience grace. And I want to just uh, tell you real quickly about a, Uh, an example of grace so that we can get it. Um, Just where grace exists, life exists. Life flourishes. Relationships flourish. Hope flourishes where grace exists. Now, I I made my wife watch an old movie with me about a month ago called The Bridge Over the River Choir. (laughs) Um, And it's one of my favorite uh, uh, movies uh, and I, I, I started thinking about it a couple of weeks ago and, and looked, did a little research on, on the back story of that William Holden is in it, one of my favorite actors. And it's an old movie, but it's a, it's a, it's a timeless story. And uh, what I discovered were some amazing things. Uh, let me share them with you real quickly. The film was made in 1958. It won about six or seven Academy Awards, including Best Actor and Best Film. Um, And it's the story, a true story, uh, of uh, uh, some Allied soldiers during World War II. And this would have been in 1942 and 43 and 44, right around in there, who were captured by the Japanese Army. And they were taken uh, back uh, to a uh, prison camp in Burma. It's on the border of Burma and Thailand. And it ultimately became uh, one of the worst prisons uh, of all of World War II, including the concentration camps in Germany. There were no prison camps any worse than this prison camp that I'm talking about uh, that this movie was based upon. Um, the, the soldiers there, the Allied soldiers, um, were forced to build a railroad um, uh, that was 300 miles long. It took them about 18 months to build, 
And it ultimately became, the, de- the name of it became the Death Railway. A uh, 100,000 men died building this railroad. Uh, 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 12,000 Allied soldiers <clears throat> died building the railroad. And it was, as I said, it was the most brutal. Uh, there were no prison camps in World War II hmm. any more brutal than this prison camp. And they interviewed the soldiers that survived this camp uh, after the war was over, after the camp was liberated, and they uh, asked them about their experiences and how they survived. And over and over and over again, the men shared the same testimony. And that was that there was a man who was the, 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 the allied, the, the, uh, the leader of the camp, on the Allied side, he was, he was a prisoner, but he led the camp, he led the soldiers, and his name was Tusi, Lieutenant Tusi, or Colonel Tusi, I guess, that's what I should say. And what the men said over and over and over again, that they survived this place of horrible suffering, of horrible evil, because uh, Colonel Tusi made it a place of grace, He literally, on a regular basis, starved himself, Mm. did without food, so that men that needed extra food could eat. They were already given only about one-third of what normal prison camps uh, were given. And he would do without food for days so that other men that needed the food could eat. Um, and because he did that consistently over a, a long period of time, it so began to impact the camp, he showed those men grace. And by doing that, there was a point where a man, uh, 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 they would gather the men together and they would take them, they would give them tools and they would count the tools that were given. Then they would march the men to the place where they would be working on the railroad and they would count the tools again. And then at the end of the day, they would count the tools, and then they would march them back to camp and count the tools again, four times a day, to make sure that there were no tools missing. One day, the men got ready to leave after working all day, and the, the, the head guard came and was screaming, missing shovel, missing shovel, uh, confess, confess. And then he started saying, I'm going to shoot all of you if someone doesn't confess. And after a few moments, a man stepped forward, confessing that he was the one that took the shovel, and the soldier that had been screaming took the butt of his gun and beat him to death. He sacrificed his life so that the other men wouldn't die. When they got back to camp and recounted the tools, Mm. there was no missing shovel. That so impacted the camp, that expression of grace that had resulted from uh, uh, Colonel Tusi uh, showing grace that when uh, the prisoners uh, were marching to at, to the work site and had been given this meager supply of, of, of medicines and food and water, when a uh, Japanese soldier rail car full of wounded soldiers st- was stopped and they had basically been left to die. They were given no food, no water, no medical attention. The, um, the, the Allied soldiers gave their food and water and medical supplies to these Japanese soldiers on this railroad car. 
That so impacted the camp that, if they, that when the Allied forces liberated the prison camp and they gave the, the Allied soldiers the opportunity to kill the Japanese soldiers that had guarded them, the response of these soldiers that had spent all this time literally in hell, their response was, there's been enough killing. We choose to forgive these soldiers. Um, the producer and the director of that movie, Bridge Over River Kwai, was David Lean. And if you watch the movie, you will not see any of those examples I gave. And the reason is simple. He said that those stories had to be left out of the film because they were too unbelievable. They were too far-fetched. No one would do that. Even in places that are so cruel, so full of pain and suffering, where grace is displayed, you see survival. You see people overcoming. You see grace winning. That occurs in prisons. That occurs in places of business. That is true for marriages. That is true for communities. Where grace is displayed, victory and survival can occur. God promises that His grace is sufficient. Thank you. That's a good story. Uh, God promises that His grace is sufficient. It's abundant. It's available for every day, for every problem, for every challenge, for every need in my life and in your life. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, God is able to give you abundant grace so that in all things, at all times, in all ways, you will have all that you need. In Romans 5, Paul says, how much more did God's grace through Christ overflow, not trickle, but overflow to many. And in Romans 5, Paul says again, where our sins abound, God's grace abounds even more. How much sin are you talking about? How much sin fills your life? How much sin fills our homes, our relationships? How much sin fills the workplace? How much sin fills our communities and our nation? I don't know. But I'm thinking it's a bunch. But God says, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. I want us to think about grace today. Are we, are we enjoying that which we've been given? It makes me think, I've got a drawer in there, and I bet you do too, full of gift cards. Things that we've been given freely, out of love, out of kindness, out of grace. We've been given these things, but they're laying in there. They're not being utilized. They're not being accessed. They're not, we're not benefiting from that. And I think so often we forget that God has provided grace for us. And we, we say thank you, and then we set it in a drawer. We never enjoy it. We never benefit from it. And so I want us to to be thinking about grace. And next week, we're going to look at some different venues through which God has provided for us so that we can access and enjoy and benefit from grace in our personal lives and in our relationships. Thank you for being with us today. I want to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper with you, if I may. 
So if you've got bread or you've got wine, um, remember I said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that verse that says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. We eat this bread, we drink this wine or this juice, whatever you've got available. We do that to declare, yes, I declare my poverty. I declare my need. I declare my debt before God. But I also declare that because of grace, because of what Jesus did when he gave his body and his blood, I've become the beneficiary, the recipient of the riches of God. And I'm thankful. I'm grateful for God's amazing grace. So Sherry, you take some bread, please. And I will too. I hope you'll do this at home as well. And then you drink. And we, as, I, as I said, we eat and we drink to declare our faith in the gift, the sacrifice, the demonstration of grace that God showed us when His Son died on the cross for us. There's a verse, I forgot the name of the verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a blessing that Paul says. He says, May the grace of the Son of God, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. And that is my blessing for you today. Thank you for being with us. Amen. But never found him Killed I went looking For my past But only found love Heard about a sea Where sin sinks like stones There's no floor there Just mercy down below There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace Heard about a man with Holes in his hands He can hide mountains Of sin in them His smile Destroyed my religion His love It shakes down my prison There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace And I could run for all my days 
Thanks, guys, for joining us again. We are Christ Community Church. I hope today has been encouraging for you, and we uh, encourage you to come back next week and worship with us. Uh, we'll be here at Facebook Live, 1015, YouTube Live, 1015. Uh, anything else, guys? Y'all have a great week. Thanks again. <laughs>